All right, it is so good for you all to be here tonight. We are excited about what the Lord has for us tonight and uh, just praying that the Lord would speak to our hearts, uh, just, uh, just that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher and our guide this evening. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter number 43, Isaiah chapter 43. Um, as you're turning there, just please be in prayer uh, for uh, Pastor. He is under the weather, and so... Um, Pastor Nick is under the weather. Um, you know, it's never good when your cell phone starts ringing at 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I, 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 t I tell everybody, as long after 7 o'clock, I'm good. Usually if it's before 7 o'clock, it's the teacher's not coming in. Didn't expect pastors, you guys all know, pastor's always here. So he must have been really uh, not feeling well. So do pray for him, uh, that the Lord would just uh, heal him quickly. But as I said, 6 o'clock in the morning texts are... It's not to say, hey, you know, this is pastor, go back to sleep, I'm giving you the day off. I, I've not yet gotten that text, although I would like to get that once. So, Isaiah chapter number 43, Isaiah chapter 43, fear not, fear not. You know, fear is an, it can be a debilitating emotion. It can be an emotion that really drives us to irrationality. And we're going to read through this, we're not going to read through the whole chapter right now, but we are going to go through the chapter, and, and I just pray that this would be a blessing, because throughout the scriptures, you know, the Lord tells us, fear not, fear not. And, you know, we're probably thinking, yeah, that's easier said than done, been there, done that. And it's not, it's, it, it is easier said than done, but, you know, if the Lord commands us to fear not, then we know that it's possible, Amen. we know that it's possible. Isaiah chapter 43. The Bible says in verse number one, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for this evening. I pray, Lord, that you would bless the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that the words that I speak tonight, Lord, that they would be your words and not mine. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, and Lord, may our focus be solely on glorifying you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's an interesting story that I read as I was preparing this. Uh, it's a story of a salesman who was driving on a country road one night, and as fortune would have it, he got a flat tire. Is there ever a convenient, to, has anybody ever gotten a flat tire when it's actually convenient? Why does it seem like we don't get a flat tire like in front of our house? You did? Well, praise the Lord. I, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten flat tires um, driving upstate years ago with my wife on the, uh, was that the throughway or the Palisades? Um, and fortunately, there was a garage station right across the highway. I said across the highway. So I proceeded to take the tire, roll it across the highway, jump over the cement barrier, and roll it across the rest of the highway, uh, it, which is, sounds difficult enough, but consider the tire was flat. So I survived. I think, you know, that was the first true answered prayer my wife had as she was watching me run across the road. But it's never a convenient time to get a flat tire. So this salesman's driving down this country road, gets a flat tire. It's pouring rain. So now he's thinking, all right, got to change this tire. Goes in the trunk of his car, opens it up, no lug wrench. Great. No lug rinse, it's going to be that kind of a night. He looks down the road, and if any of you have ever been out to Lancaster, you know what country roads look like. It's like one house and then nothing, and then another house and nothing. He looks down the road, he sees a house with a light in the distance. 
distance, meaning about a half a mile. So he goes, well, most of these are farmhouses. The, the farmer's got to have a lug wrench. I'll start heading down that way. So off he goes. He starts going down that way. He's thinking, the farmer, he'll have one. I can borrow one from him, fix my car, and return it to him. As he's walking down, he starts to think, you know, farmers get up early in the morning, and it's late. It's almost near midnight driving down the road. He goes, I don't think this guy's going to be happy. If he even answers the door, this guy's not going to be happy. He goes, ah, I don't know. I'm waking him up. He's in his nice warm bed. He's cozy. And here I come knocking on his door. I don't know. Off he continues to go. He starts to think a little bit more about it. He's going to come down. He's going to yell at me. I can see this guy getting angry at me now. As I knock on this poor guy's door, I'm trying to get a lug wrench. The guy's going to get real mad at me. He continues walking down the road. Now he's soaked. Head to toe, shoes, socks, jacket, clothes, everything. Now he's thinking to himself, he starts to think about the situation a little more. He goes, you know what? I know what's going to happen. This guy's going to, I'm going to knock on this poor guy's door and he's going to be, what do you want? You know what? This guy starts to think to himself, what right does he have to get mad at me? You know, all I, I mean, I'm the one who's soaking wet. I'm the one who's in the rain. I'm the one who's got a flat tire. You're in your warm, cozy bed. All I need is a wrench and you're going to get mad at me? How dare you? He finally gets to the guy's house. Light comes on, the guy comes walking down, the guy looks through, he's going, bang on the door. He looks through the window, he goes, who is it? The guy says, don't give me that, you know who it is. <laughs> he goes, and another thing, I wouldn't take that lung wrench from now from you if it was the last one on earth. And he storms off. Now listen, that's kind of a silly story, but how many times have we done stuff like that to ourselves? Where we start to think about situations, and because of fear, or because we start to kind of imagine the circumstance, we make it far worse than it could be. And fear can be overpowering. It can grip us so much so that it affects everything we do or don't do. And so here, when we get to Isaiah chapter 43, just to give you a little bit of background on this, when we get to Isaiah 43, we read verse number 1. It's interesting that in verse number 1, Isaiah writes, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. Now, you say, well, why is that interesting? Because this is a continuation of chapter number 42. Now, just a little bit of background. These chapters and this section of Scripture is written to, you read that right there, it's written to, to Israel, okay? And I am not correlating the two, the church as being equal with Israel. We know that that's a different story, but it's not. However, I think there are some biblical applications that we can glean from this, okay, that we can take from this that is going to help us in this area of fearing not. Now, this is written during the Babylonian captivity. It is written when they're in captivity, but it's also written, as you're going to see in a few minutes, beyond the Babylonian captivity. So as Isaiah writes this, he's writing to what specifically is going on at the time, but he's also at the same time, and it's, you know, it's amazing what the Lord does with, with the Word of God, isn't it? You, know, you read something, and you could read the same passage of Scripture five different times, and the Lord will give you five different applications of that passage of Scripture. And as Isaiah writes this, he's writing about what is happening at the time, but also looking forward to re the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And so as we read through this, if you go back to, verse, uh, to chapter 42, what you see is that there was 
idolatry. There was apostasy. The people who knew the Lord had turned their back on God, had turned away from the things that the Lord had directed them to do. The things that God had blessed them with, they had forgotten. And we get to this, and, and the Lord is rebuked. I mean, there are some stern words. We're not going to read through chapter 42. But as you read through it, it is a rebuke of what was going on. And then you get to 43, verse 1. He says, but now, thus saith the Lord. Listen, I know what's going on. I know about your idolatry and your apostasy and your wickedness and the turning away. But he says, hear this. The Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. Now, you know, they had every right to be fearful. They had turned from God. Um, listen, if we're going to turn away from something, let it not be the Lord. Because when we turn away from God, we're heading down a bad path. We want to be on the Lord's side. We want to be on the winning side. We want to be serving God. And they had completely turned their back on him. And so when we get to verse 1, it's like, wow. God, even displaying his grace and mercy in the midst of this, says to them, fear not. And you know what? We could be in that place today where, you know what? Our walk with the Lord isn't what it should be. Maybe we're here tonight and we're like, ah, you know, it's not every, I'm not exactly where God wants me to be. I, I've been, I've been uh, backslidden. Or, you know what? My, my walk hasn't been as strong as I want it to be. Well, fear not. Because, you know, we have a God who has grace and mercy abundant. Now, that doesn't mean we should continue to do that. It should continue to live apart from the Lord. But we can turn to God, and God forgives. And we're going to see some of the things that will help us in not fearing. Listen, there's things that we fear all the time. There's things that we fear all the time. And God doesn't want us to be fearful. So let's look at some of these things. Number one is a courageous walk. A courageous walk. In verse number one, we read, <clears throat> verse number two, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Here it is again. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee up from the west. God wants us to have a courageous walk. It is hard to do in the days we live in. If you look at the things that are going on in the world around us, it is very easy to become fearful. I was just, me and Rich were just sharing some things. He, he shared an article with me about Christian schools last week, and I read it. And you know what? It's very easy to become very fearful. It's very easy when you see the things that our government is doing, when you see the attacks on the Christian, and we can sit back and say, man, this is awful. They're trying to shut down you know, Christian schools. They're trying to shut down churches. They're trying to control everything so that they can stop us from believing what we want to believe and from teaching the Word of God. And in our minds, we could say, this is awful, and become very fearful. But in the midst of that, we can courageously walk. Why? Letter A, because guess what? We belong to God. <laughs> we are a child of the King. Isn't that awesome? I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes we 
look at the circumstances, and it looks like, you know, I, I often think about when you look at what's going on today, you can kind of equate it to what David went through. How many times did David write, my enemies are circling and encamping round about me? That's kind of what it feels like. Everywhere you turn, the enemy is standing there waiting. But you know what David did do? He encouraged himself in the Lord. When the enemies were round about him, what did he do? He turned to God. And guess what? God delivered him. God delivered him time and time again. God, we belong to God. He says that in, the, in verse number one, I fear not for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by my name. Thou art mine. God created us. God created us for his glory. God created us. In 2 Timothy 2.19, we need to constantly be reminded that, you know what? The Lord is on our side. We're not alone. That no matter what this world may throw, and listen, the devil has been defeated. So no matter what they may throw at us, we're still victorious. In 2 Timothy 2.19, the Bible says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Listen, if we have trusted in Jesus Christ as, your, as our Savior, he knows us. We are his. And we're here to bring glory to God. We don't need to fear. I don't care what the newspapers are writing, what the internet is posting, what the governor signs into law. The governor is not more powerful than our God. Okay? The things that, listen, God is aware. That's what we were just talking about. God is aware of everything that's taking place. It's not like God has taken a vacation. Now listen, I do believe that we are seeing the consequences of our nation turning from God. And we are seeing the consequences, but let me tell you something. We are still his. He has not abandoned us, but there are consequences. Listen, as a nation, if you turn from, listen, when Israel turned from God, there was bondage. And we are starting to see that take place. But let me tell you something, we need not fear, because guess what? God is still on the throne. God created us. God redeemed us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He's not going to redeem us to then let us be destroyed by the enemy. He redeemed us. He saved us from the bondage of our sin. He says, I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Think about that. I have called thee by thy name, the Lord says. That's awesome. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. We can courageously walk because we belong to God. God takes care of his own. Listen, we don't have to worry about how much strength we have. Um, as the years go by, the strength is less. That's okay. That just means I get to rest more. But the reality of it is, listen, it's God who's going to be our protector. It's God who's going to be our savior and is our savior. It's God who's going to take care of the enemy. David had no place to turn. Everywhere he looked, they circled around about him. But guess what? God was still there. And God protected him. And God saved him. Whether it was Saul, 
Okay, whether it was Saul who was coming after him or whether it was his own son who came after him, it doesn't really matter. God protected him. God had anointed him and chosen him to be king, and he would be. And God took care of him. So we belong to God. We can walk courageously because guess what? God is with us. Not only is, do we belong to God, but God is with us. Look at verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. You know, as I read this, I thought of a couple of things. A passage of scripture we know. Okay, passing through the waters. Think of the Red Sea. Think about the Red Sea. When they had nowhere to turn. You know, they got to the edge of the Red Sea, and... They had no place to go left. They had no place to go right. They couldn't go back because the Egyptians were closing in on them. The army was closing in on them. And the only thing that stood in front of them was the Red Sea. And they looked at Moses and said, see, you brought us here to die. But God is not limited by that. In Exodus 14, 29, it says, But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand, and on their left, thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. I can only imagine what it must have been like as they walked across the Red Sea. First of all, it was completely dry. That would have blown my mind enough. But, you know, we kind of look at it like, well, God put this bridge up, and we just walked across the bridge. That's not what happened. There was a huge wall of water on either side of them. Can you imagine how imposing and powerful that must have looked? as they walk through this, as they see the hand of God to separate the waters and watched what God was doing. Listen, when I think of that, you know what I think of? God can save us out of any impossible situation. And so we don't have to fear. We can walk courageously because God is with us. They forgot. When they got to the edge of, that, of the Red Sea, they forgot that God was with them. It was God who had freed them from bondage, and it was God who was going to get them across that Red Sea. They forgot that. They started blaming Moses. See what you did to us? Here we are. We're going to die here. And Moses took his rod and said, boom. And the waters parted. God was with them. Then you read the rest of that passage, and he says, And when thou walkest through the fire. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Not only does God save us from impossible situations, but God saves us in the midst of our trials, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of those fires that we have to walk through sometimes. What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? Did they do anything wrong? No, you know what they did? They stood for right. And listen, more and more, if we stand with the Lord, the enemy is going to rear its ugly head. But guess what? Fear not, because I will be with thee in the midst of that fire. Who was with them? The Lord was. And when they came out of that fire, man, they didn't even have one little hair singed. They didn't even have one little hair singed. They walked right out of there as if they had just taken a nap. We don't need to be overcome when trials come our way, because Jesus Christ is with us. We don't need to be fearful for doing right. And listen, I know many, many of us, we work in jobs where it's becoming harder 
to live holy. Even as I'm saying those words, it's it's hard for me to, to even listen to myself say that. It's difficult to live holy in the world. But the reality of it is it is. Because if you want to live right, the world doesn't like it. I don't want to do that because it goes against what I believe. Well, then you're fired. And you know what? That's happened. Look at what's going on around the country. And we can become very fearful. You know, what a testimony. A lot of these people who have had to face opposition for standing up for what they believe in, whether it's a bakery, whether it's whatever it is. And people have had to stand in the face of the opposition. But you know what? You know what you notice in the face of those things? People maintain their testimony. They said, you know what? No. I'm going to keep doing what's right. This is what I believe, and this is what I'm going to stand for. And it's hard, and it's easy to become fearful. But guess what? The Lord says, fear not, because I am with you. Not only do we belong to God, and God is with us, but you know what? God has freed us. God has freed us. Look at verse number 5 of Isaiah 43. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, and I have formed him, yea, I have made him. You know, this is referring to, okay, the, the release from bondage and captivity. Israel, come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. But guess what? For the believer... Jesus Christ freed us from that bondage. When we trusted in Christ as our Savior, the bondage of sin is no longer there. Think about that. Think about the, the, listen, listen, I can only talk to you about how I felt, but I know, looking back, the burden and the weight that you live with when you have that constantly... You're carrying that constantly. But guess what? Jesus Christ changed all that. I love that hymn, and can it be? Where it talks about, I think it's verse 3 or verse 4. Just give me one second. Where it talks about, yep, my chains My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. That's what happens when the bondage is removed. And what he's talking about here is, listen, God has freed us from that. We don't have to live in bondage anymore. We don't have to fear. Jesus Christ defeated the devil. He defeated the grave. He defeated sin. He has victory over that. And as long as we live in Christ, guess what? We are victorious too. Now, notice I said, as long as we live in Christ. Listen, positionally, we're in Jesus Christ. Once we trust him and we place our trust in the blood of Jesus Christ and in his sacrifice, we're saved. But we can still live ungodly. We can still live wickedly in this world. We need to be in Christ. It means everything we do needs to be in Christ. In Romans chapter 6 and in verse 18, the Bible says, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. We need to serve our Savior. 
not sin. Verse 22 of Romans 6, But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So we're no longer in bondage to sin. If we are, if we are giving into that sin, it's because we're choosing to do. We're giving into the lusts of the flesh. And what we need to do is to walk in the Spirit. Christian, listen, I know it's hard, but we need to be in God's Word every day. We need to be on our knees every day, crying out to God, Lord, please help me. Because we can't do it in our own strength. I told our Sunday school class, listen, if, if our daily walk with the Lord is based on something that we feel like we have to do, that will end very quickly. Because, you know, we could kind of say, well, I'm going to keep doing it, I'm going to keep doing it, but sooner or later, something better is going to come along. And I don't mean that there is anything better than meeting with the Lord. What I mean is, if it's not the priority in our life, it will soon become second, third, fourth, fifth, and down the list. But if we delight in meeting with the Lord, and it is a priority in our life, and we get joy when God speaks to our hearts, if we get excited, listen, when pastor's up here preaching his heart out and the Lord speaks to our heart, man, that should stir a fire in us. Amen. And when we are joyful that God speaks to us, and when we're joyful, when we know, when we fall on our face and we ask God to forgive us of our sins and we realize through the word of God, you know what, I confess my sins and I'm forgiven. Man, that puts a joy in your heart. And it should. And when God becomes a priority in our life, it's no longer a chore then we delight to be in the Word of God and to walk with the Lord. And we don't have to give in to the lusts of the flesh. And we don't have to give in to those desires. We can live in Christ. God has freed us. Freed us. He has freed us. Courageous walk. Fear not. Number two, we can have a confident witness. We can have a confident witness. Look at verse number uh, eight. He says, Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together, and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this, and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses, that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say, It is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Listen, Christians, we are his witnesses. We are the ones who are supposed to be testifying of the salvation of Jesus Christ. We are to be witnesses. These passages here in this, it's talking to the nation of Israel, and I'm going to go through some of this in a minute, but there's a challenge there. Number one, or letter A, to those that reject the Lord. Verse number eight, bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together. If you look back in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 18, it talks about the blind and the deaf. Look at verse, 40, uh, verse 18 of chapter 42. It says, Hear, ye deaf, and look, ye blind, that ye may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger that I sent? Who is blind as he that is perfect, and blind as the Lord's servant, seeing many things, but, through, but thou observest not, opening the ears, but he heareth not? You know what he's saying? Listen, you know, Israel, you know. You know what the right thing to do is. You've heard it, you've seen it, and you choose not to see it, and you choose not to hear it. That should never be our testimony. We should never, ever, ever get to the place where we know what God wants us to do. We hear it all the time. We've seen the goodness. God has declared his works unto us, and we just turn a blind eye like, yeah, I don't really care. 
because that's when fear creeps in. But listen, when we remember who our God is, when we remember what God has done in our life, when we take heed to the things that God has opened our eyes and our ears to, there's no fear. Why? Because we know who our God is. They had forgotten who their God was. The blind, they have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They were choosing not to. And God here, the Lord is rebuking them. Listen, there is a challenge to those that reject the Lord. Listen, there's people out there, there's Christians out there who have turned their back on God. The world has nothing better to offer us. Nothing. Everything that we need is in Christ. Everything that we need, God provides. But we fought, man, the devil dangles that carrot, doesn't he? And that carrot comes in a lot of different forms. It comes in popularity. It comes, most of it, by the way, is pride. It comes in the form of lust. It comes in the form of addictions. It comes in a whole lot of different forms. And listen, the devil knows exactly which carrot to dangle for each and every one of us. But you know what? If we're going to turn a deaf ear or a blind eye to something, let it be the things of this world. And let's turn back to God. Verse number 9, he says, let all the nations, so not only the deaf and the blind, but all the nations. Look what he says here. Let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses. In other words, he's saying, listen, you that don't know what you're talking about, bring your witnesses. That they may be justified. Or let them hear and say, it is truth. Step forward, provide your witnesses, and let's see what's truth. Listen, the world is trying to convince you that what they... Listen, they gathered liars to testify against the Lord to have him crucified. They will lie against the Christian. Wow, shocking. People are going to lie. Listen, Christians are the minority today. However, in Christ, we are the majority. Because of what he did, because of his victory, not because of us, because of what he did, we can be victorious. It's a challenge to those who believe. Verse 10, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye know that ye may know and believe me. The Bible says in Psalm 107, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Listen, if we don't tell the world about Jesus Christ, who will? Who will? If it's not us, it's not going to be the lost. Listen, I didn't have a lost person come up to me and say, hey, you know, you need to be saved. I didn't have somebody who didn't know Jesus Christ saying, you know, the best thing for you is to be in church. You need to read your Bible. You need to, you need to get in a Bible study. You need to go to Wednesday night prayer group. You know what? I had, I had believers encourage me in the Lord. And I had someone who was saved tell me about Jesus Christ. The lost aren't going to do it. They don't know. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He says that ye may know, that ye may know and believe me. We need to believe what we preach. We need to believe what we preach. Listen, we can't preach with conviction if we don't believe it. You know, the best thing that could ever happen to you 
is to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. It will change your life. Listen, if you don't believe that in your heart, you're not going to be able to preach that or witness to people with that kind of conviction. But if you believe in your heart that the Lord is the best thing that ever happened to you in your life, that your life is completely different than it was before Jesus Christ, if you believe that with all your heart, then, man, you can preach with conviction. And by the way, people will know. You can't put that on. You can't put that on. You need to believe what we preach. It's very hard to stand up here and say, hey, listen, when the church doors are open, you need to be in church. It's important. I had people tell my wife and I, listen, it's important to be in church. They didn't judge us, but they said it's important to be in church. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, it's important to be in church. You want to grow in your faith. You know what, what sealed it for us? That they were living it. They believed it and they were doing it. If somebody tells me, hey, you need to be in church Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, and they're never here, that doesn't work. If we tell people, hey, I love the Lord Jesus Christ, but then we're living like the world, it rings very hollow. Believe what we preach. I love what he says here in verse 10. And understand that I am he before me, there was no God formed, neither shall let ever be. Here it is. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. There is one way of salvation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what Jesus Christ said. There is one way of salvation, believers. Neither is there salvation in any other. Let me not mess this verse up. Give me one second. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. And that name, Jesus Christ. I love that verse. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. When we witness, be confident to tell people there is one way of salvation. Well, that's just intolerant. I didn't say it. God did. I'm not trying to be intolerant. I'm glad somebody told me. Because guess what? Otherwise, I would have had a multitude of different ways I could have thought to get to heaven. But somebody said, listen, Jesus Christ is the way. He is the door. He is the way. He is the light. Not my works, not my money, not my morality. Jesus Christ. One way of salvation. Verse 12, I have declared and have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Listen, we could be witnesses because of what we have witnessed. Because of what God has declared to us. Because of what God has showed us. Listen, if we went around this room and we had time, we go around. Listen, tell me something that God has done in your life. Remarkable thing. We could be here for hours. You say, well, I've only been saved two days. You have one remarkable thing God did. And listen, if we know nothing else... We know how we got saved. And that is the greatest miracle there is. That God would take a wretched, wicked sinner like me and save me and use me for his glory is mind-boggling to me. But guess what? That's what he did. People say, well, how do you know that? Because the, the word of God tells me so. Can we have a confident witness? Yes, you can. But we need to make sure that that message is based on the fact that there's one Savior and listen, say, well, I don't know what to say. Declare the works of God. 
Declare the things he showed us. Witness and testify of the things you've witnessed. And then declare who God is. I mean, I love the rest of this verse. We're not going to have time to go through it. But look at these verses. Verse 13. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. Thus saith the Lord, Lord, the Lord, verse 14, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Verse 17, oh, sorry, not verse 17, verse 18, says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, ye shall not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Listen, we can go on and on about all the things it says about who God is. God is all-powerful. God is our Redeemer. He's our Savior. He's the Holy One. He's King. He's our Protector. And on and on and on. When we witness, just declare who God is. Don't, don't let this world make you water down who our God is. Because we, we well, I don't want to offend anybody. Listen, God wants us to be confident in our witness. People aren't going to get saved if we go in, well, yeah, you know, um, yeah, well, God's good. God is great. God saved me. I didn't deserve it. And he wants to save you. People will be like, get out of my door. That's okay. Have a great day. Let me leave you with this gospel track. You say, well, what did you accomplish? I don't know. I received 40 gospel tracks before I got saved. You have no idea. Maybe he has 39 of them in his kitchen drawer the all-purpose junk drawer. Maybe he's got them in there. That's what I did. I had them in my de desk drawer. They were just all piled in there. I kid you not. If you opened it up, there were gospel tracts everywhere. I never read one of them until one day the Lord spoke to my heart. And it changed my life. Confident witness. Number three, be cautious, weary. I'm going to go through this one pretty quick. We've got to be careful not to be overburdened. I like to work, and it's great to, 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 when you serve the Lord, all of us here are involved in different ministries in the church and, and we have you know, jobs and other things we do, but you've got to be careful not to be too weary because weariness can have an effect on us. Weariness can have an effect on us. If you read through this passage of Scripture in verse 22, but thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me. Ouch. O Israel. Weariness causes us to not seek the Lord. We've got to be careful because when we get weary, and by the way, we think weary is a physical exhaustion, but you know what? Weariness can be a spiritual exhaustion. Um, you know, sometimes we, we listen, the, the battles are spiritual. And those battles, I, um, my wife and I were talking about this recently, spiritual battles drain you more than physical battles. Spiritual battles drain you far worse than physical battles. You get a good night's sleep, you get over the physical. Spiritual battles are hard. And if we are weary, the devil will step in. And it will cause us not to seek the Lord. It will cause us not to seek the Lord. In verse 22, but thou has not called upon me. We need to call upon the Lord every opportunity we get. In Acts chapter 10, I, I uh, did a, the, our staff devotion this morning and I read a little bit from this passage, but in Acts chapter 10, this is a story of Cornelius and Peter. And in Acts chapter 10, and in verse number 30, let's see, 30. 
Peter is called of the Lord to go to Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a Gentile. The Jews didn't really associate with the Gentiles. But the Lord had directed him and Peter went. And in verse 30 of Acts 10, it says, And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. That's how we need to pray. We need to pray so fervently that we don't stop until God answers our prayer. Four days he was fasting and praying. Why? What did he want? Cornelius wanted someone to show him the things of God. Could you imagine? Peter gets there, and he goes into Cornelius' house, and there's a group of people waiting for him. Wouldn't that be awesome? You go to witness on somebody's door, they open the door, it's like 15 people. Hey, we've been waiting for you. Witness to us. That doesn't happen too often, but that would be awesome. Peter must have been like, whoa, man, this is my lucky day. They're not going like, to try and kill me here. But Cornelius was fervent in his desire to see God. He wasn't weary. He prayed. And listen, sometimes we need to stop and take a step back and seek the Lord. Cornelius sought God, and God answered his prayer. Cornelius was a Gentile. Think about this. A Gentile who didn't know the Lord fasted and prayed for four days, and God answered his prayer. That's amazing. That's amazing to me. Yet sometimes we pray kind of hoping God hears us this time. God wants to answer our prayer. We need to cry out to him. Weariness causes, to us, sorry, weariness causes us to neglect our service to the Lord. If you read on in Isaiah 43, it talks about, Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings, neither has honored me with thy sacrifices. Listen, our offerings suffer, our offerings either financially, our offerings of ourselves, of our time. When we're weary, the things of God are the things that suffer. Our sacrifices, listen, we sacrifice willingly, Back to the Lord to give him what's rightfully his. When we're weary, spiritually, emotionally, physically, that becomes a burden instead of a joy. We don't want to serve God with a burden. We want to serve him joyfully. But listen, have you ever done something and been like, man, I really don't want to do this? I, I, Pastor Nick and I were laughing last week. I, I, was, I don't know what day of the week it was, but it, it was a long week. And, um, and I, said, I stopped and I looked at him and I said, do you ever have one of those days where, man, you just wish you could have got back under the covers and just slept until the next day? He said, every day. I said, good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. And we kind of laughed about it. But you know what? It's still a joy to serve the Lord. And you don't want it to become a burden. You don't want it to become a burden. Weariness causes us to burden the Lord with our sins and iniquities. Look what it says. This is incredible. <clears throat> It says in verse 22, thou has been weary of me. Verse 24, thou has bought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with thy fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou has wearied me with thine iniquities. The people were wearied, burnt out, so to speak. But imagine how God felt because of their sins. They had wearied him because of their iniquities. Ouch. Think about this, when we start to think about that, that concept. Think about because, how do we weary God with our sins? Well, think about this. The Son of God became a servant because of our sins. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7 says he humbled himself. The Son of God humbled himself, took the form of a servant. Why? Because of our sins. We need to be careful. Our sins weary the Lord. 
I don't want to weary the Lord. And the last thing is compassionate mercy. In, in verse 25 through 28. In verse 25, I, I love this. You get through all this. You wearied me. Your iniquities. You guys have turned from me. Look what he says in verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. He forgives us. I, I don't understand it. I don't think I'll ever grasp it. But time and time again, how many times have we said, Lord, I know I've confessed this before, and you weep and you cry because you don't want to do it. But do you know what? When you confess, God forgives you again. In Isaiah 44, 22, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgression and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Um, just incredible thought when you consider who God is and who we are, and yet time and time again God forgives us. Hebrews 8.12 For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Sometimes we find it hard to forgive. People wrong us, man we hang on to it like a piranha gets his teeth in something. We don't want to let it go. But God says, when I forgive, I remember your transgressions and your sins no more. Wow. He forgives us. Letter B, he reminds us. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, hey, let's plead together. You guys think you got this all. You guys know what's going on. You guys got this all. He says, okay, let's, let's plead together. Let's reason together. You declare. It says, declare thou. That thou mayest be justified. Listen, if you think I'm wrong, hey, let's, let's talk about this. Why don't you tell me how you think you should be justified? Don't we do that sometimes with the Lord? God, I, I know what you're saying, but you don't understand. <laughs> I look back at the times I've said that, and I'm like, wow. It's a miracle. <laughs> I'm still here today. He says, reason. Thy first father has sinned. Who's the first father? Adam, and thy teachers, everybody that followed thereafter. Teachers are from Adam as well. Listen, sin passed down from Adam to us, so you are not going to justify yourself in my eyes in any way other than through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing is he warns us, and, and he reads in verse 28, listen, you need, to, you need to pay attention or there's going to be a curse. Listen, if we fail to grab hold of the things that God is telling us. God's compassionate and His mercy is everlasting and His mercy endureth forever. But there are people who claim that, well, God has mercy and continue to live as far away from God. There's consequences with that. A curse? Yeah, maybe. Are we saved? Yes. Are you missing out on the things that God desires for you? Yes. Is there consequences for those actions? You better believe it. Pastor talked about that. On Sunday, he gave the illustration about the men that stood up against their pastor, and a year later, the Lord took them home. Listen, I don't think anything happens by coincidence, and there's consequences for everything we do. And I'm not here to say if you do one wrong, you're going to be struck dead. That's not what I mean, but there are consequences. A couple of quotes and I'm done. John Newton said, If the Lord be with us, we have no cause of fear. 
His eye is upon us, His arm over us, His ear open to our prayer, His grace sufficient, His promise unchangeable. That's awesome. We don't have to fear. Why? Because God is with us every step of the way. F.B. Meyer said this, God incarnate is the end of fear. And the heart that realizes that He is in the midst will be quiet in the middle of alarm. Listen, when fear grabs a hold of us, and when those times come where the, the fear almost becomes irrational in our eyes, remember who God is. Remember David when he was surrounded by the enemy and he felt like he had no place to turn. Read the Psalms. And he cried out to his God. And God delivered him. Fear not. Listen, we've all been there. I've been there. I wish I could say I haven't, but I have been there where the fear grips you to think irrationally, to do irrationally, and it robs you of the joy of our Savior. It does. I've been there, and I'm telling you from experience, it robbed me of the joy of Jesus Christ. It took everything that I held precious dear, and it was fear, and it was irrational, but God showed me, you know what? No. I'm here. I never left you. I never turned from you. I've been here all along. Just like the prodigal son, when he left and went into the world, when he returned, the father awaited him with open arms. That's our, that's our God. Listen, maybe you're not where you should be today. Turn back to him. You know what? He's waiting for you with open arms. Waiting, welcoming you back in.